Hello, welcome to this week's Economy. I'm Dr. Vance Gann. I hope you're having a prosperous day. Well, today is May 11th, 2023. Thank you for joining me. First, I would really like for you to, to go back and watch, if you haven't already, the Let People Prosper show with Dr. Larry White, where we talked about Better Money, um, which is his latest book, which includes a lot of great things about the commodity standard for gold standard, um, also fiat currency, Bitcoin, and ultimately where maybe where we should be, which is a free banking system. So if you haven't watched that yet, please go on all the platforms that are out there, YouTube, Apple, wherever you find, wherever you get your favorite one, um, and go there and be be sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. You leave some feedback. Um, and remember, you can also find all this at vanceginn.substack.com, where you get my newsletter right in your inbox, or vanceginn.com. This coming Tuesday, though, um, I also, well, I'll have an, an, a discussion with Dr. Chuck Beecham, um, who is a finance professor at Mississippi College. We had a good discussion about the overall economy, the banking sector, the housing market, and public policy, and what public policy hasn't been doing very well. Um, it's a really good discussion that I hope you'll, you'll be able to check out on Tuesday. So without further ado, let's get right into it. The big issues that I want to talk today are about number one, the inflation report. Number two, public policy in the United States and um, kind of the federal government, but also Texas. And number three, what's happening in Louisiana. So let's jump right into it with the inflation report. The Bureau of Labor Statistics at the U.S. Department of Labor, um, they came out with their latest numbers on CPI, the Consumer Price Index, which is measured by the average urban household, uh, the U.S. citywide average. And so they do surveys across the country, come up with different amounts that are in there. I think there's about 60,000 goods and services that are included within that basket. Um, and the basket, when they first did it, was equal to 100, right, was in 1982 to 84, um, so early part of the 80s. And then now what they do is they just index it over time, that basket. There's a lot of problems with it. It's not, a, it's not perfect, but at least gives us some measure of what prices are doing on average across the United States. And it's been coming down some now from its peak late last year of 9%. Um, the inflation rate over the last 12 months is now 4.9%. So that's a good sign, what we call disinflation. So it's not continuing to inflate. There's some decline in the rate of inflation, still positive, still going up year over year, but not as fast as what it was before. Deflation is where you actually have declining prices, where that inflation rate would be like negative 1% or something like that. That would be deflation. So this is disinflation. You also see some underlying inflationary pressure, though, 0.4% month over month. So um, it's right around that range. So that still gives some indication that, yes, inflationary pressures are coming down, but there are inflationary pressures that are out there remaining, one of those being food. Food overall is up 7.7% year over year. Food at home, so your groceries are up 7.1%. Food away from home, so going out to the restaurant, is up 8.6%. And so that's what gives you the overall 7.7%. I mean, it just seems like food prices keep going up all around us, really hitting people um, hard that way. Energy prices are actually down year over year, down 5.1%. If you look at com energy commodities, down 12.6%. Gasoline, do down 12.2%. And fuel oil, down 20.2% year over year. Um, but just for the month of April, fuel oil was down negative 4.5%. And gasoline, though, was up 3%. 
Um, so we got something to watch as gasoline prices are coming back up, especially during the early months of summer. This is when we see the increase as more people get on the road. There's a summer blend of gasoline that also increases the price. And so some things going on there. And then we'll watch some of the volatility out in the geopolitical space of OPEC and others of what happens to oil. For every about every 10% increase in the price of oil, you get about a 2% in, increase in the price of, at the pump for gasoline. That's some of my more academic research. And it's... It, it, it's um, it's symmetric. Whenever the oil prices go up, you get that 2% bump up. Whenever the 10% goes down at oil prices, you also get a 2% decrease going down. There's not an asymmetric issue there, as some of my other research shows. Um, and so that's something else that we'll want to continue to watch. Um, if you look at all items, less food and energy, what's called the core inflation rate, that's up 5.5% year over year. So actually up higher than the headline level of infla uh, inflation rate of 4.9%. And that was at 4.8, uh, sorry, 0.4% month over month. So annualized, that would be about 4.8%. Um, so something to continue to watch. Um, new used cars and trucks were down 6.6%, um, but shelter was up 8.1%. So that's your housing. I think we're seeing some cooling in housing. I'm not so sure how far it will go down. I know out in the West where you saw a huge increase, kind of the bubble that happened, um, those prices are coming down pretty rapidly, like at San Francisco, LA. Um, but if you look at places like Texas and Austin, those prices are also coming down, whereas in other places across the state, they're continuing to go up some. Um, and I think some of this has to do with zoning restrictions where you can't build as much housing in places like Austin and San Francisco, but it is something that we wanted to keep an eye on as we move forward with these higher interest rates, which is driven in some sense by inflation, right? We had too much money being printed in the economy by the Federal Reserve, um, quantitative easing. Now we have some quantitative tightening where their balance sheet is coming down a little bit, still way too high, around $8.5, $8.6 trillion from where four, it was at $4 trillion before the shutdowns and everything. So we still have some room to go there. And before we're really going to see inflation get back to their target of an average of 2%. So we're still more than double their average rate right now. I know some people are out there saying that maybe we shouldn't have, we should have a pause to these rate hikes that are now 5 to 5.25%. Um, I think that we should continue to raise rates as long as the data show that. And there was so much money put in the economy that you're going to have some of those markets that are going to need to clear, meaning higher interest rates in the process. And a big part of that will be reducing the Fed's balance sheet as they have all these market distortions that take place. And one of the big other things about the CPI numbers. Also, you can look at inflation and compare that with average hourly earnings, our average weekly owned earnings. Um, and that takes into account not only pay, but some of the other fringe benefits that people get. And while those have been going up year over year, with this inflation rate, we're still seeing that average weekly earnings adjusted for inflation, so real average weekly earnings, are down 1.1% year over year. That makes it the 25th month in a, in a row that it has been down year over year, um, declining real average hourly earnings and, and weekly earnings. And so this is um, a, not a good situation for Americans, definitely a huge cost because of the bad policies over the last couple of years by the Biden administration, by Congress, and by the Fed. I mean, this is a direct result of those bad policies over time that's hurting Americans in the process. You know, one of the things I saw here in the real-time economics, it's a report, a newsletter that's sent out by the Wall Street Journal. They had a good article talking about, you know, the share of the people who are satisfied with their jobs is up now to where it was back in about 1987, about 62, 63%. 
after a low in 2010 of about 43%. And a lot of that has to do with people having a more of a, a better work-life balance, being able to work from home, which I do, um, um, having more time away with the kids, but also a lot of the fringe benefits too, of healthcare, uh, maybe a robust retirement package. It's not just pay that people want. They want more earnings, other things as well. And that's something that needs to be taken into account when people talk about raising minimum wages, which reduces employment, uh, makes it to where lower income people aren't going to be as hireable as they were before because they're not as productive as upper income or higher skilled workers. These are all should be taken into account. And so I think that was another key thing to look at. And another key part of this is that we have too much government spending, as I talk about often, but the net interest on the debt is now just about where it is for defense spending. According to Mark Moses, he has a good chart here from the Federal Reserve. Um, he's not from the Federal Reserve, but the chart is, and showing that they're just about neck and neck between national defense spending and interest payments on the debt. And both of those will soon be about a trillion dollars. So a massive amount of money that's being spent, a lot of that just on interest on the debt. Um, I talked about that recently on NTD News, um, talked about how what you need to know about if the U.S. defaults on national debt, what Congress should do to avoid it. And really, it just means we need to spend less, kind of like what the House Republicans have proposed so far in their debt deal. And I think if we do that, we'll be in a much better situation because the costs of defaulting on the debt will mean higher interest rates, higher inflation, less economic growth, lower real wages, just more poverty in the process. This is not a good situation, but we really need spending to come down. Um, I think that if that happens, we'll have more economic growth and prosperity overall. Um, and, and look, I think that there's been some good reports out there. Um, Alec, the American Legislative Exchange Council, had their rich states, poor states, which we talked about previously. I wrote a piece in the Center Square talking about how Texas needs to improve on what it's doing. The legislative session here is wrapping up quickly in Texas. And so I think that they really need to focus on three big things. Reigning in government spending being number one, both the House and Senate budgets are too much, either compared to population and plus inflation, conservative Texas budget, or even a frozen budget. It's too much. And they need to put more of that money toward property tax relief, which is really hurting um, Texans across the state. And number three, we need universal school choice. Some of these bills are still going on. There's some discussion. There's a three weeks left or so. And so they've really got to get down to it now. Time is running out. Let's make sure that stuff is done. And the reason why a big part of that is to be competitive. Can't sit back on your laurels. You've got to make sure this happens. And I've talked about how Texas compares with Utah and Florida, two other big red states, uh, but they are doing a better job in property taxes and they passed universal school choice. So we don't want to fall behind in, in Texas. And so I think if they do that, we'll be in a much better situation instead of the infighting that's going on among leadership. Um, Patrick Gleason over at Americans for Tax Reform, where I'm a senior fellow, also had a good piece about what they need to continue to do to make sure that there are good fiscal conservative reforms that are out there to allow for market to work and let people prosper. Um, and then finally, within Louisiana, you know, I've been doing some work there with the Pelican Institute. We've just put out a jobs report for Louisiana for April 2023. So over the last year, Louisiana has gained 40,200 jobs through March of 2023. Um, that's 32nd nationwide. If you look at that, that's a 2.1% increase over the last year. And even compared to its neighbors, it's, it's one of the lowest. Um, even Alabama's up 2.2%, Texas up 4.3%, Florida up 4.5%. Mississippi is the only one that's lower than all these other nearby states. And they're at they are at 1.3% increase, 15,000. So um, Louisiana has some work to do. And the gross domestic product, Louisiana's economy, GDP, right? Real GDP, it did, fell by 1.8% on an annual basis in the fourth quarter of 2022. This ranked the 49th, second to last overall. So not a good sign for the economy of Louisiana. 
um, and the bad policies in many cases that have been put in place there uh, by the governor and, the, and things of that nature. Personal income growth for all of 2022, for if you just look at net earnings, so the wage growth was stagnant at 0% in 2022, and so falling even after an inflation. So this is not, this is not a good sign for, um, for Louisianans. And then if you look at the population, I mean, you look over 21 to 2022, Louisiana lost 37,000 people, negative 0.8% growth rate, the third worst decline in the country. Not a good sign there. And so there's a lot of room for improvement. I've been writing about that here recently by talking about, you know, what happens to Louisiana if it doesn't provide tax relief? And it goes again to what was going on in Texas. If they don't, they're going to be less competitive overall in Louisiana, meaning people are going to continue to flee. Businesses are going to continue to flee. You're not going to have the robust job creation economic growth that you otherwise need. And so there needs to be a flat tax revolution in Louisiana as well. I'm working on that with some others at the Pelican Institute, doing some great work there with those folks. Um, I think there's a once in a generation opportunity to fulfill the promises of what's been in the past of 2021 of these revenue triggers to just put a little bit more money into the rainy day fund there. And you could have some personal income tax relief along with corporate franchise tax relief there. So um, that really should be done, making sure that they don't bust their spending caps. That'll be important. Reigning in government spending um, and maybe paying down some debt with their surplus that they have uh, as, as well. And this all goes into economic competitiveness and how states can do. And so ultimately, that's what the economy is about. That's what incentives matter, why people move, they don't move, things of that nature. And it's something that we want to keep looking at here on this week's economy and on my Let People Prosper show. So that's what I have for you today. I hope you have a great weekend and let people prosper. <laughs>